friends. Amen. It's good to uh, to be a part of your life. Amen. I, I thank you for welcoming me in, and, and it felt just like home being here today. And that's a good thing. Amen. That's a good thing. As Pastor Brown said, I, I have been traveling uh, for a while. I've been preaching and different stuff like this. The Lord has led me around to different countries and continents and places. And uh, you don't always feel at home in places where you go. But it's so good to be here. It's so good to feel the presence of the Lord and to feel right at home and to feel the liberty that comes with that. Amen. Amen. I I am so impressed with, uh, and I've just been here. I flew in last night. But just from talking to some of you and, and worshiping with you, I could not help but be impressed by by your drive, your drive to change your world. Amen. And that is that is really what what I'm here to talk to you about today, and uh, and what I think God wants to help us do. Thank you very much. Um, because if we go to heaven, that's a great thing. Amen. Amen. That's not a bad thing. Uh, you know, I remember growing, as I said, I've grown up in church and, and hearing about people say, well, you go to heaven, well, that's all right. No, going to heaven's a great thing. But what's greater than that is taking your family with you, amen? And maybe maybe a next step up from that is taking your next-door neighbor with you. And maybe the neighbor on the other side. And maybe the old guy that lives across the street. And maybe the lady who waits on you at the restaurant or the person that checks out your groceries. Hey, church, we're not supposed to hide this in our church building or in our life. We are supposed to be epistles read of all men. We are the light of the world. So going to heaven is great, and I get excited about that. But what makes me more excited is to know that I can take somebody with me. As Pastor said, the Lord has given me the unique opportunity of of helping in some third world countries and and not only bringing them Jesus, but also helping their, their basic living, help bringing them basic living needs and different things like this. And um, as thankful and as gracious as they are for food and for water and medical care, um, I've yet to see them go gaga like they do when you sit down and you open a Bible and you begin to explain to them about a person named Jesus who loves their heart, who loves them, doesn't matter what tribe they came from, doesn't matter that you know they don't own a home, doesn't matter that they don't have a house, that they live in the bush. But Jesus loves them. And even though they don't know him and they've never heard of him, that he died for them. Then to see the tears run down their face as they give their life over to him. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Amen. And so I am so excited. I am. I really am. I'm so excited to be here and to be a part of what you are doing. Amen. It enriches my life and it it helps me. Amen. To to be a part. And I want to thank you for letting me be a part small part of what you're doing here you're already you're already well on your way and so anything i can do that will help you uh, i am at your service amen if you would open your bibles with me to ecclesiastes chapter four just remain standing for a few moments i won't preach that long it's a a quarter after three where i come from and church starts in about an hour and a half so 
Just kidding. I've had a couple of people ask me if we have snow. We've had 75 inches since December 1st. Just a little bit. <laughs> I, I called another friend of mine who pastors in this area and was talking to him, and he was sort of chiding me a little bit. He's originally from Indiana, and Pastor Arrowwood, he said, he said, well, how's your golf game? I said, well, last week it was minus 28. What do you think? He sort of chuckled. He said, yeah, well, I guess that's what you get. I said, that's all right. Snow shovels better than you can dodge earthquakes. So I'll take my snow. <laughs> Amen. Hey, if you can't have fun on this way, then what good is it? Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and I'll begin reading to verse 7, read down through verse 12. My translation's a little different than yours. Please don't wig out or think I'm a false prophet or anything. Amen. He said, I observe yet another example of meaninglessness in our world. He said, and this is the cause of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, and yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asked himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now that it is so meaningless and depressing? He says, two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor if one person falls. The other can reach out and help, but people who are alone when they fall are in trouble. Everybody say, in trouble. And we all know that we fall. It says, and in the cold night, two under the same blanket can gain warmth from each other, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. For the next few moments, by the help and power of the Holy Spirit, I want to minister to you on the subject of the power of community. The power of community. If you would put your Bibles down, let's ask the Lord to help us again. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for your presence and for your power. I thank you, Lord, that you are here and you have manifest yourself in, in a very real and tangible way. Now, Lord, I, I pray that you would help me and help my mouth and help my lips and help my words, Lord, and that you would open up our hearts and our minds so that we can receive your word with faith. And then from faith and hearing your word, it's going to change the way that we are, Lord Jesus. And it's going to help us impact our world for your kingdom. This is not so we can get glory, Lord, but this is for the glory of your kingdom that we ask this. And everybody say amen. Look at your neighbor, say, thank God it's not snowing, and you can be seated. brother that was speaking earlier this morning in the session, you'll pardon me if I, if I didn't chuckle a little bit when he was talking about, <laughs> even now it makes me laugh, that you guys are, are coming out of winter. <laughs> this feels more like summer. Joke in Wisconsin is everybody wants to know what you're going to do during the summertime, and that all depends on whether or not it falls on a Saturday or not. So, but thank the Lord for all the seasons. 
Now, community is something that, whether, whether we recognize it or not, is something that we are a part of and something that we have been born into. If you are here today and you have been born again of the water and the spirit, if you have repented of your sins, if you have proclaimed Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, if you've been baptized in a watery grave under his name, then you are in a community and you are communing with him. Many times when preachers, and again, I, I've been around preachers my whole life, and, and now I are one, and uh, preachers use terms and words that, that you, we sit out there and we go, huh? what are we talking about here? And so to try to explain it, you know, if, if this is, you are already in a community, we are in a community of, of new birth with him. Our relationship with God is intended to be a living relationship. Our relationship with God is not intended to be static. It is not intended to reach a certain level and then we stop. We are not intended to grow for a certain extent and then we have arrived and we have achieved and this is as good as it's going to get. No matter where you are, if this is your first day or if you've been a charter member of this church, let me, let me just reaffirm to you that God has something more for you. I don't care where you are on your walk, and rather I should say it doesn't matter where you are on your walk. God has something more for you. You can be a visitor here today, and if you are, we are so glad that you're here, and it's my first time too. They act a little weird, don't they? Just kid. That's okay. Come back next week, it'll be much the same. Amen. But doesn't it feel good? Amen. Everyone's so nice, and the presence of the Lord is here. But if you're a visitor here, I want you to know that God has something for you. But I also want you to know that the pastor sitting here today, God has something for him also. And it does not matter where we are on our walk. What matters is that we are on the journey. See, what happens many times is we get sidetracked, we get complacent, we get displaced from our journey, from our community, from our communing with God. And that causes us to sort of lose touch with what he wants us to do and with what he wants us to become. So we're all on this journey. We're progressing together. In our text we read in Ecclesiastes, the, the wise man is telling us here and trying to give us to understand that this need that we have for community and for connection. And he allows us to understand a little bit about the power that comes from having a community and connection. Now, first, the the, the thing I really want us to understand, or, or I should say the first step that I want us to understand, is that God did not need to use community. God did not need us to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But rather, he chose to allow us to play a part in the process. He didn't need to come here. He chose to come here. He didn't need to make us how he did, but he chose to allow us to join with him and to become a part in this process with him. We are connected one to another. We are part of the human race, and as such, we are connected, and what we do affects people around us. And in the much as, and it's the same in the spiritual world, that we are connected. As I said, we're going to sort of look at how Jesus taught about community and what he expects us to do 
And many times we get caught up in reading Jesus' words and we read the Bible, and that's a great thing. But then we forget to actually look at what he did. Because much can be learned by just simply watching what Jesus did or reading what Jesus did and observing that and, and not just focusing on the red letters in the New Testament. Now, community is Christ's plan to change the world in a nutshell. Boil it down to that. You see, when he left the earth after three odd years of ministry, he didn't leave behind any financial resources for his movement. Uh, he didn't leave behind any great big buildings or any infrastructure. He didn't leave behind any budgets or any buildings. He did not leave behind clout. He didn't leave behind any connections whatsoever. He didn't leave behind anything that we would consider to be crucial to building a movement. We're going to start a business or build a movement or have a church. It's just sort of interesting that Jesus didn't leave any of that stuff. He didn't leave a piano. He didn't leave drums. And I love piano and drums. He didn't leave computers. He didn't leave anything there. All he left behind him was a small community. He left a small group of, of 12 people and, and some of their friends. And these are quite ordinary people. These are not special people. These are not people with extraordinary talents. Um, 2,000 years later, fast forward, we are here today because of the power of the Holy Spirit working through that community. We are direct descendants of that. If you wonder about the power of community, you are experiencing it here today. Now, to tell you and to show you how seriously Jesus takes this notion of community, um, you know, if you know the New Testament, you can sort of help me with this, but, but I don't think, I, I don't remember ever reading Jesus in the New Testament telling this to, to a prospective disciple. Don't remember him ever walking up and saying, you know, I want you to follow me, and I'm, I'm putting together this little band of disciples, and, and we're going to travel around and do some cool stuff. And, and I want you to be one of them, and I, I know you're really busy. I, I know you've got everything going on, so, and, and you probably really don't have time to be a part of this group. And, and plus, well, to be honest with you, some, some of these guys are sort of weird, okay? Um, I mean, Peter just doesn't shut up. I mean, the guy is just blah, 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 blah. And, and Thomas is, is pretty much negative all the time. And, and Judas, don't even get me started on Judas. You have no idea what that man's capable of. Um, but, but they're not normal like you and me. Okay? They're not normal. So, so I'll tell you what. You can sort of be my disciple offline. You, you can sort of be my disciple on the self-study method. You can sort of take the distance learning program. And, and you can just read the text. And if you can, show up to as many of the meetings as possible. But that's no big deal. But, but you can sort of study me, you know, at your own pace and sort of do your own thing. Jesus never made that offer. At the very beginning, at the very beginning of his ministry, his first step was to establish a community. And throughout his entire ministry, he worked and he molded and he taught that community. And he taught them on what he expected the nature of life to be in this new kind of community. He said this is going to be a new type of community where, where people of different races and backgrounds and educational levels and spiritual awareness where they're not going to be separated because of this, but this is going to be a community that welcomes all of the men. 
that this is, this is a community that, that is deriving its life force, not from the empty rituals of religiosity, but this community is going to derive its life force from, from the very essence of God himself. And that this is not going to be a community that tries to make everyone the same, but rather is going to try to facilitate a safe place where everyone can grow in the relationship with God. And then as he begins to teach his disciples and as he begins to reach out to them, he then reaches the time where it's time for him to leave. And, And on the last day when his feet was here on this earth, he looks at them and his command to them was, Go and spread this community. Extend this community. I will be with you. Go to the ends of the earth and spread this community. We know what happened. And Jesus said that Jesus knew that they would never be able to complete what he asked them to do unless they harnessed and they understood the power that comes in community. And they did accomplish what he wanted them to do. And they did it without financing. They did it without government aid. They did it without all agreeing. If you think the apostles and disciples never fought or argued, reread the book of Acts. It's quite livid at times. They did it in spite of their disagreements, in spite of their differences, in spite of all of the problems that sometimes seem to beset us. They did it, and yet we are a product of it here today. We're a product of the power of community. Now, the reason why I'm pointing this out is not to get us to focus on our differences, but rather to get you to understand that in a community, and in the community that God is wanting to birth and God is wanting us to be, we are not all going to be the same. We can't. We would drive each other nuts. I am so thankful that the Lord made me smart enough not to marry someone who's like me. Because I would, I, I couldn't handle that. And if you can imagine, if we're all in this community and we all have the same gifts and we all have the same talents and we all think the same way, it won't be long until, well, we're all separate communities. We're all individuals. I want us to look at a couple dynamics in this type of community that Jesus is wanting to have, a community that does what he taught them to do, that first we grow in relationship, we grow in community with the vine. We grow in community with him. And the first dynamic I want you to look at this community is that Jesus is the center of the community. Jesus is. And, I'm, and please understand and, 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 and don't read into anything that I say when I, I'm not anti-church. I'm not anti-church buildings. I, I go to a church and, that has a very large church building, and, and the Lord has blessed us, and, and I've helped build church buildings and that. But, but the church is not the center of the community, and the building is not the center of the community. And if the church or the building ever becomes the center of the community, then we begin to build on sand and not on the rock anymore. And what happens is when, well, the building has to be changed, well, then people feel disenfranchised with the community. This is the reason why I know this would never happen here. But I've been affiliated in a part of some churches that, man, if you move the piano from one side to the other side, it, it took an act of God and people walking on water, and there needed to be a disembodied hand that wrote it on the wall. Sort of drew an X on the floor where you were allowed to place the piano. 
And what happens, and the reason why it happens that way is because people have thought that the church building is the center of the community. And they've forgotten that, that God did not establish, you know, these buildings, and this is a beautiful building, and this is a nice place, and you're all great people, but, but we are not the center of the community. And if, if we become the center of the community, then it's our community, and it's no longer his community. And the problem that happens with that is because everyone is created in the image of God, not in the image of Jose. And what happens is we then try to become God. We try to recreate them in our own image. This is what happens in churches. Not this one, but other ones. It's what happens in churches. New believers come in and they seek after God and they're hungry after God. And we look at them and we say, great, and here's how you can become just like me not realizing that we stifle their growth and we we restrict them down because we are not them. And God may have them destined to do something that's so much greater than what we're going to do. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine if Ananias would have showed up to Paul who's sitting there blind and said, listen, this is what you need to do, Paul. You need to go and do exactly what I've done. It would have limited Paul's effectiveness, and he could have not have performed and done what God wanted him to do. But because Ananias was secure enough to understand this is God's community, and it's not my community, I'm going to help you to do whatever you need to do. I mean, think about this. Think of the jealousy that Ananias could have had. He's only mentioned in the New Testament, I think, three times. Paul gets to write two-thirds of it. What's up with that? He could have got jealous. He could have got sidetracked, but he understood Jesus is the center of this community. He is the reason. He is the center. He is the cause. Churches and Christians that lose this dynamic are doomed to failure. They are doomed. And they're not doomed because they don't mean well. They do mean well. But they're doomed because, and and I should say they're not doomed because they don't even accomplish good stuff, because they do accomplish good things but they're doomed because they've become separated from their life force. You see, just as a plant cannot grow if it's separated from its roots, Jesus said, you are attached to the vine, and as long as you stay in me, you will grow and you will flourish. But when you become detached from me, that is when life ceases to flow through you. And in this community that God wants us to have, in the power of the community, he is the very center. He is the epicenter of it. And all life flows from him. And what is so awesome with that is God knows what brings me to life, and he knows what brings you to life. And he can infuse all of us with life through the power of his spirit. You see, not every plant has the same growth process. Some plants grow above ground. Some plants grow underground. Some plants grow up and have great big fruit. Others have little bitty tiny fruit. Some of them have no fruit whatsoever. Some require more sunlight. Some require less. Some require lots of rain. Some hardly any rain whatsoever. You see, you and I would be best suited if instead of trying to grow where we want to grow, We would allow God to place us in the community where he wants us and grow as he's designed us. You see, no matter how much I want to be a watermelon, if God's destined for me to be something else, I'm never going to be content because I'm not what he wants me to be. We need to trust God and allow him to plant us and develop us where we will grow best in this community. 
See, you can, you can probably grow peaches in Alaska, but they grow better in Georgia because it has the right environment for there. It's the right community for that. Imagine how healthy and productive you will be, I will be. Imagine how we will be together as a productive community if we begin to focus not on getting everyone in the church to look like me or to act like me or to be spiritual like me, but rather trying to get everyone to get in touch with the vine and then us uniting together as a community that is centered around Jesus Christ and growing with him. Imagine the power that's unleashed there. See, that's the power that the apostles had. That's what I've heard preached about ever since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. That's the power that I've heard preached about, and the power I've seen witnessed in people's lives. It's not because of who they were. It's because who was the center, who they were attached to. It's that their vine wasn't connected to some religion or some, some denomination, but rather it's attached to the source of all life, and then life begins to flow through them. I've heard people talk about dead churches, obviously not this one. And usually dead churches aren't because of dead people. Dead churches are simply because they've become detached from the vine. So I want you to know that in this community that God wants to produce, and God is producing in you and through you, this community together, the power of community, it comes from we're attached to the vine. This is not about centering around the pastor or centering around me or centering around anyone else. It's about centering around Jesus. He is the center of what we are trying to do. He is the center of this community. You see, God has intended for us to live in relation with relationships and in community. He said it's not good for man to be alone. We find that in our text as we read how that how that one by himself is is not very effective or not very efficient at all. The Bible talks of the value of relationships that we should have and the value of community that we have. Um, in Genesis 2 and 18, I made reference that God said it's not good for us to be alone, but, but he also tells us how we are to value these relationships. The Bible tells us how that we're to value him and we're to value our family and we're to value all these types of things. We're told that, that we're to value, we're to value these relationships because they're they're really the essence of life. You find this through learning and studying Proverbs. There's a there's a story. I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a story of a man who was who was alone on an island for I don't know 20 or 30 years, and 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 finally when he was when they found him and he was discovered, and they came through and they could not believe all the amazing stuff he had done, and so they went by and there was this unbelievable building that he had like carved out of the stone, and they said, "What is that?" And he goes, "Well, that's my church." They were so impressed with it. Man, they went in. It was amazing. They walked around, and then later on they found another building like that. And they said, what is that? He goes, oh, that's the church I used to go to. You see, see, when, when we're not understanding what community is supposed to be, even if we're by ourselves, we begin to disagree with us. We argue with ourselves. Have you ever seen anyone have an argument with themselves? Ever seen anyone talk to themselves? That's okay. When they start answering, then you may get a bit concerned. But you see, when relationships are missing, when we're alone on this island, when, when relationships are missing, our life is not full. And we are not living as God intended for us to do. You say, Brother McFarland, are you saying I cannot make it to heaven without someone else, without a community? No, I'm not saying that at all. I am saying 
You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to go with this alone. You don't have to bear your burdens alone. I mean, why would I, why would I bear everything by myself when God has given me a great community of believers around, brothers and sisters, who want to help me? Why would I try it by myself? One man put it this way. He said, sorrow that is shared is a half sorrow, and joy that is shared is a double joy. And I believe that is how God has intended for us to live in this community, sharing our joys, sharing our sorrows, us, by, us uh, getting under the burden together. There are two particular stories I want us to look at in the New Testament that show what happens in a life that is with community and a life that's without community. See, Jesus Christ came that we could have life, but life more abundant. There's a lot of people who have tapped into the life, but there's very few who are actually living the full abundant life that Jesus Christ has designed for us. And that's because that's only found in community. When I share it one with another, that's the only place I find this abundant life. In John chapter 5 and, and verses 1 through 7, uh, the Bible tells us a little story here, and I'll read some parts of it. You've probably heard of it before. It says, afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city, near the sheep gate, was, a pool of, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Now, just as an element of history, I've been there, I've seen it, but if you study history, um, how can I put this delicately? You didn't just hang out at the sheep gate. Okay, it didn't, wasn't the most pleasant place to be. Uh, I don't know if we've had anybody here that's ever grown up on a farm. Have you ever been around a lot of livestock? But um, if, if you are, you get 100 sheep together. It's not a tranquil setting, okay? There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of smells. This is not the place to relax. <laughs> that's, that's bad. This is not the place you would say, oh, look, there's a four-star hotel right in the middle of the sheep gate. Uh, for lack of a better term, the, the sheep gate is, is at the lower end of the city of David because they didn't want the stuff from the sheep gate flowing through the rest of the city. So here's where this man is. Here's where this porch is, this, this pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. The Bible says that crowds, in verse 3 here, crowds of sick people, blind and lame or paralyzed, would lay on the porches. They would lay there for a period of time. And then the Bible says that an angel would trouble the water, would stir the water. And the first person who could get into the water would be healed or delivered. So we find that they're laying there. And verse 5 says, and one of the men laying there had been sick for 38 years. That's a long time to be laying around a bunch of sheep. Six, it says, when Jesus saw him and knew how long he'd been ill, he asked him, would you like to get well? And I want to show you something here, what happens. You see, this is what happens when you're out of touch with community. Jesus, who by now is, is a famous individual. Jesus, who people have heard what he's done. He has done amazing things. He has already turned the water into wine. He has already healed several people. 
Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to be well? And this man says, I can't. Jesus didn't say, do you want to make yourself well? He said, do you want to be well? This man says, I can't. He said, for I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. For I'm trying to get in there, someone else always gets in. See, this is a story of an individual who was not connected to a community of faith. This is a man who has been here sick for 38 years. And he's not sick because he wants to be sick. He doesn't want to be sick. And he's not laying there because he's lazy. He's not laying there because he doesn't have the desire or the drive. He is laying there because he has detached himself from a community of faith. And he has no help. Boy, I cannot help believing that there are not hundreds of thousands of people within walking distance of this very lighthouse who are much like this lame man at the pool of Bethesda, who are laying beside the pool, and every once in a while they've had an encounter with with God. Every once in a while. There's been a stirring of their heart. Maybe, Maybe it was a tragic event that happened to them. Maybe it was something that they witnessed. Maybe, I don't, I don't know what all stirs people's hearts. But something happened that stirred their heart. And they really wanted, they really wanted to step out. But they're not part of a community. And every time they try to do it on their own, it always crashes and burns. You see, this man, he was left in need. He was discouraged. He was without hope. Notice, he didn't even believe he could be well anymore. Jesus said, do you want to be well? And he said, I can't. You see, God is going to direct you. When you begin to open up this community and you become this community that Jesus Christ wants you to be, uh, God is going to send you along people just like this. And you're going to look at them and say, why don't you join with us? You You can worship in freedom. God can be so much to your life. He can open up doors to you that you never knew existed. And they will look at you and say, but not for me. You don't understand. You don't understand. You see, this is the power of community. The power of community can transform someone who has been living their life in a hopeless existence and transform them into a beacon of hope, into a testimony of triumph. So another couple interesting things about this story. Bethesda, I don't know if you know what that word means. It actually means house of mercy. You see, the man is laying in the house of mercy. But he can't get healed because he's alone. Church, there are people that are sitting in this house right now. I don't say this to me. I say this in love. Who are, who are afflicted with things. Things in their spirit. Things in their body. Things in their mind. Things in their emotions. And they're sitting here in the house of mercy. And they see the troubling of the waters. And they feel exactly what we felt just a few moments ago. And even what we're feeling right now. Boy, they want to be free more than anything else. They want to be whole. But they're not a part of a community. You say, in a church? Exactly. Churches are some of the easiest places for people to hide. As a little kid growing up, I I literally lived about 20 yards from the church building. And um, hopefully you won't think any less of me because of what I'm going to say. But uh, me and my cousins would come in and we would play hide-and-go-seek in the church. And... um, and we'd army crawl under the pews. We had pews, not chairs like this. And army crawl under the pews and all this type of stuff and do stuff that we weren't supposed to do and that we would later get in trouble if we get caught. 
hiding in a church was easy. Man, all the lights were out. It was dark. This is what happens to a lot of people. Some of you sitting here, you've been coming to this to this assembly for a while. Maybe you haven't for a while, but some of you have. I just feel it. And, and you're here, and you're, you're sort of hiding. You're not sure how much you can open up yet. You're not sure. You're not sure how much you can trust yet. You're not sure if you can be made whole. And I don't know you, and and I don't know what's going on in your life. So please accept this from the Word of God and from the Spirit of God. You can stop hiding today. You you don't have to hide anymore. God did not lead you. God did not lead you to this place, to this house of mercy. So that you could stay sick. He did not lead you to to a community that has Christ at the center of their heart. So that you can continue to go through the same sickness and illness that you have. He has led you here because here is a body of faithful of faithful friends that will help you. And they will put you in the water. And they will bring you to Jesus. You say, well, you're new here. How do you know this? I feel it in my spirit, and I also think that if I opened up this floor right now, and I said, how many of you, when you walked through the back doors of this church, were you empty? Were you lonely? Were you fearful? Did you have chains of addiction bound around you? Was there anybody like that when you came to this church? Would you, raise your, would you be willing to raise your hand? Anybody like that? When you came here, you were like that, but there was a community that welcomed you in. There was a community that said, you don't have to stay that way. We will nurture you, and we will love you, and even when you fall, we'll still be right there with you. And we will be a house of mercy, and we're going to be a safe place where you can grow as God gives you the grace. It's the power of this community. And so even though he said in the house of mercy, he still could not be made whole because he was not attached to a community. The angel was a messenger of mercy. The angel came there and stirred the water so that someone could be whole, made whole. But he needed the help of a human. See, I, I think that sometimes, well, we, we depend upon God, but God has, remember how I said, he, he didn't have to give us a part in this, but he gives us a part in this. See, God will always fulfill his part, but we have to f- fulfill ours. You see, God is stirring, God is working, but we have to be the human touch. There are times where God seems a million miles away. I, again, I've, I've been a... I've been a preacher a long time, and I've been a Christian even longer. And there's been times in my life when I just sat down to pray, and my prayers bounced off the ceiling and came back and hit me in the head. There's been times I've wondered, just where are you? And if you are around, how in the world did this happen? I've prayed those prayers. I'm just being transparent, being open with you. And I've wondered, where are you, God? And you know what sustained me in those times? It was not that a lightning bolt shone from heaven and God wrote me a message on the side of the wall. Although I would have wished for that. It wasn't that a raven delivered me a message in his beak. Good thing, he'd have probably frozen. But what sustained me in these times was the human touch. Was a brother, was a sister who got a hold of me and said, hey, listen, I don't know what you're going through. God just, you know, this scripture, I was reading this scripture, and God put your name in, and I just want to share this scripture with you. Man, it ministered to me. You see, even though we're in the house of mercy, and even though we feel his mercy and his love here, God still has a part for you to play, church. 
You are still the community. He is the center, but you are the community. And the people are only going to get to the center if the community brings them in, if we bring them together. I don't know if any of you are baseball fans, but if you're a baseball fan, then you know who the you know the name and recognize the name of Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson was the first African American to play Major League Baseball, and he was a phenomenal individual. And he so impacted the the world of Major League Baseball that no one on any team will ever wear number 42 again. Every team has retired. And he recalls in in some of the memoirs that that he wrote. He, he recalls one particular day, and he played in Brooklyn, uh, which is not known for being overly friendly, in case you were wondering. There's anybody here from Brooklyn. But he, he played in Brooklyn. He remembers one particular day. He was a phenomenal fielder. I mean, he was, he was an all-world athlete. He stole home several times. He was that fast. And there was a simple play that came to him at second base, and he booted. Everyone makes an error, but every error he made was really blown out of proportion and so the booze started coming and people started throwing stuff on the field and here he was an all-star a batting champion a phenomenal person a gold glover and he makes one error and people are just going nuts. and one of the most famous dodgers was the shortstop for that team peewee reese and after this starts peewee reese just puts his glove down walks across the diamond from his position to shortstop and puts his arm around jackie robinson and doesn't say a word just puts his arm around, stands there, looks up in the stands, and the booing stops. And the stuff stops flying out of the stand. Pats him on the shoulder, walks back to his position at shortstop, picks up his glove, plays continue the game. Later on in life, after being out of baseball, Jackie Robinson would write that that hand on his shoulder kept him. That hand on his shoulder, no words were spoken. But that hand on his shoulder let him know, hey, I am still a part of a team. And even though there are people out there in that crowd that would love to just literally kill me, that I'm on this field and I'm a part of this community and they love me and I'm accepted here. You see, church, that is the power of community and that is the power that we have in our hands. This is the power that God has given us. He has placed this in our hands that you can, by putting your hand on the shoulder of a brother or a sister, you can just bring encouragement, and that spirit can just be transfused out of you and into them. And someone who has been walking through the world all week and have been facing the people up in the stands who literally want to kill and they've been chastised, and they've been ridiculed, and they've been beat up, and, and maybe even they've made mistakes, and they deserve it, but it's just been overwhelming. And they come into a house of mercy, and a brother or sister just puts their hand on their shoulder. You're safe. You're safe here. On Wednesday, and I, I really hope that you come back on Wednesday, not because I'll be here, but if you're not here, sort of lonely me to talk rich, but... Uh, pastor, sorry. Uh, pastor. But on Wednesday, I want to talk to you about how that this community that we feel when we have here, you can have it at your home. You can have it at your home. This this isn't just something that, again, remember, 
The building isn't the center of the community. Jesus is the center of the community. And so wherever Jesus is, well, then that's where we can have the community. What, what do I mean? Well, I'll give you a little preview. Yes, I've seen, I've seen people get broken free from addictions in my living room. I've seen people be healed in my living room. I've seen people commit their life to Christ in my living room. I've seen, I've seen people who, who have never sang in the choir, never did anything that we would consider as far as, well, you know, like platform ministry or that. I've seen them minister to a brother or sister in a way that I never could. Because Jesus is the center, and as long as he's the center, it doesn't matter where we're at, we can still provide that community. Can you say amen? I'm hurrying. One more story I want us to look at. It is found in Mark chapter 2. Talking about the power of community. We saw a man who didn't have community and and without that community, even though there was miraculous all around him and he was living in the house of mercy, he still didn't get his touch. There was no community. Mark chapter 2 tells us a different story. In verses 1 through 5, it says, Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news of his arrival spread quickly through the town, and soon the house where he stayed was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for one more person. I believe God to do that right here. Can you say Amen. And it says, not even outside the door. I believe that. Can you say amen? And he preached the word to them. And four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They were not getting in. It says, and they couldn't go in to Jesus through the crowd. So they dug through the clay roof above his head and lowered the sick man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my son, your sins are forgiven. Fast forward to the end of the story. The man ends up walking out. Not riding out, walking out. You see, the difference between this man and the other man was not the presence of Jesus. Jesus was in both stories. The difference in this man and the other man was not the fact that, that ooh, this was a special place. No, they both were special. Jesus was there. Things were happening. The, the supernatural was happening in both places. The difference was this man was connected to a faith community. This man was connected to friends who said, you know what, I don't care what we have to do. We are going to do everything. We are going to tear the roof off if necessary, but we are going to bring you to Jesus. We are going to get you to the center of the community. We are going to bring you to him. And even though you can't walk on your own and you can't reach on your own, that's okay. We're going to do that for you. Oh, the power of community is so great, church. I want you to know that God, God has somebody he wants you to carry. God has someone he wants you to carry. We do not get strength from the word and strength from the spirit just for ourselves. He gives us the strength so that we can help bear the burdens of somebody else. If you feel like you're, you know, if you feel like David said, I could run through a troop and leap over a wall, well then my, my, my statement to you would be become a part of a community and find a brother or sister who's laying on a mat somewhere and say, hey, listen, I want to pick you up and bring you to Jesus. I want to help you. But we have to be mindful. We have to be aware. See, this man had a relationship with friends. It, it takes really deep friends to do this. I mean, these guys went the extra mile. They didn't say, well, we're here and there's a lot of people. We can't get inside. Sorry, we tried. No, they said, here, it's packed. We can't get inside. 
Let's tear the roof off. There's no one up there. Now, now I've often wondered, and this isn't in the Scripture, but I've often wondered whose idea it was to go on the roof. Because if it's not the guy on the mat, you know, guys, what are you doing here? Well, we're going to get you to Jesus. Yes, but we're on the roof. That's okay. Leave that to us. Well, I'm feeling a little unsure of that plan right now. That's okay. See, here's what I'm trying to say. Is there sometimes when you're laying on the mat that you don't have faith? You don't have faith for yourself. You're on the mat. You, you, you've been hit by so many blows that it's, it's a struggle for you to stay alive, let alone believe you're ever going to walk again. And that's when it's so vital to be a part of a faith community that says, that's okay. We'll find the way to Jesus. We will be your legs. We will pick you up and carry you. We will be the strength for you. That's all right. You don't have faith for it. That's okay. I will believe for you. Your faith is weak. That's okay. Mind strong. We will bind together and we will get you to Jesus. These four friends changed this man's life forever. Changed this man's life forever. He got healed spiritually and physically. Notice Jesus looks at this man. The first thing he says, your sins are forgiven. And they say, what? He goes, well, okay, for the rest of you carnal folks, stand up and walk too. Church, we have to understand that God is far more concerned with what's going on inside than he is with what's happening outside. He's, he's so much concerned with us finding community and finding that inside and that inner peace and that joy that's last and that peace that resides within us. We get distracted by what happens in the peripheral. We get distracted by what happens in the world. And I'm, I'm not saying that what happens in the world isn't real. No, I understand that it's real. But you need to understand that we tap into a God who believes in a whole different world and a whole different universe. And it's real also. These men shared his trouble. Galatians 6 and 2 tells us that we're to share each other's troubles. Bear the burdens. This man lay helpless, trusting on the goodness and the faith of his brothers. and They didn't let him down. Stand with me if you will. There has been a, for lack of a better term, a reawakening in the church, in the body of Christ. That's happened over the last, I don't know, maybe, maybe say 15 years. There's been a reawakening. And among the things that has been, it's been a reawakening of the power of community. You see, there used to be a time, and again, I've been in church my whole life. There used to be a time where people came to church and listened to the pastor and hoped he preached a good message, and if it worked, they applied it to their life, and they went home and they lived good life. And I'm not saying that didn't work for them. I guess what I am saying is that doesn't work for me. Because I know I am a preacher, but I can't preach 24 hours a day. I'm living. I'm living life. And in the midst of living life, 
I need to know that I'm not by myself. And I know he's always with me, but there's times I just I need that physical touch. So there's been a reawakening in the body of Christ for the need of community and the power that resides there. And I hope today, I hope today that you felt what the Spirit and the Word is trying to reach you and trying to talk to you. First, I would say that if you're here today and you've never been born again, that this is not an exclusive community. This is this community is for everybody. It's for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are or what your background is. It doesn't matter where you were yesterday or where you were earlier this morning. It does not matter. This community is for whosoever. And you say, well, what do I need? Well, you need you. Need you. Is that what, that's what this community is. It's about people. And so, if you're here today and if you're feeling, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling fear, if you're feeling abandoned, if you're feeling any of these things, I want you to know that you are in a safe community today. That you're in a community that wants to help you. And if that means giving you a ride home or if that means helping you find a meal, we'll do that. But, but we want to bring you to the center to Jesus because he's going to make it so that you never thirst again. And you may think the only thing you need is another meal, but but he's going to awaken that true hunger that's inside of your heart, that hunger that reaches for peace, that reaches for acceptance, that says, says, I just wish I had someone that would love me in spite of what I've done and in spite of what my past has been. I just wish there was someone who would wrap their arms around me. That someone is here. It's Jesus. But you're in a safe community that will do that also. And if you're here today, if you're a saint of God, and you're feeling, you're feeling like you've been knocked down on the mat a little bit. And I want you to know you're in a community here too. And maybe you feel you feel like, well, I don't know. I, I, I just don't feel like it. Well, then the first thing I would tell you is, first, let's find the center. Let's realize that Jesus is the center of the community, not me, not you, not so-and-so. Jesus is. And there are brothers and sisters here that will help you. Help you bring, help bring you to Jesus. I don't have all the answers. I don't even have all the questions. So if you're you come to me looking for answers, I'm not going to be able to help you. The only thing I can help you is I can help bring you to Jesus. And Jesus knows the real question in your heart. You see, many times we we fool each other. We try to, you know, what's the question? Well, I really want to know. There's no deep in your heart. What's the true question that's troubling you? What's that fear that's just got you in its grip what's that addiction what's what's in your heart right now that if you knew without a if you knew or guaranteed you could get rid of it what would that be I want you to know you can you can let loose of that today so many times deliverance is not about having chains broken off of us it's about us letting go of them so today I want you to know Jesus Christ is here. And he just, he just wants you to he just wants you to let go of it. You've been holding on to that hurt. You've been holding on to that offense. You've been holding on to whatever it is. And, and he just simply wants to pour his love and his peace over you. And then he wants you to just let go of it. 
its place. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you joy. He wants to give you passion again. He wants you to give you that zest for life, that abundant life He's promised. That's what's here for you today. That's what's found in the power. These altars are open, and I'm not sure what your traditional altar service is, so I won't even worry about it. But I'm going to open these altars right now, and if you would like to step forward, and I know there's not very much room up here, but if you'd like to step forward or if you'd like to stay there and pray, that's okay. But church, I'm going to ask if, if, if you feel the direction of the Holy Spirit for you to be that community today, if you'd be that hand on someone's shoulder, pray for them. You can go ahead and come to this altar if you need Jesus Christ. If anything that's been said has spoken to your heart or spoken to your spirit, I want you to step out in faith. I want you to step out and say, yes, God, I, I need this community. I want to be this community. Help me, Lord. God bless these that are coming. I wish we all right now, just over this house, would just begin to lift our hands to Him. Just where you're at right now. Time, space, and distances of no essence to God. Of no, of no, it doesn't bother Him at all. If you just raise your hand where you're at. And in your own words, don't copy what I say or anything. In your own words, just... Just express to Him how you feel. If life is just stunk and it's not being good, and that's how you talk, then talk that way to Him. You're not going to offend Him. You don't have to use the King's English or New King James Version or anything like that. Just open up to Him and say, Jesus, you know, this has just been a bad week, God. I don't know if I can go through another week like this. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can handle this, God. I need something. Right now, God is going to begin to minister to you in this house right now. Right now, as you begin to let loose of those fears, and you begin to let loose of those addictions, you begin to let loose of those hurts and those offenses, you begin to let loose of those sins, and you ask God to forgive you, His blood will begin to flow freely over this place. And you will walk out of here today a brand new creature in Jesus Christ. That's right. Just begin to cry out to Him. Just begin to reach to Him. That's right. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need you. Oh, that's right. Dear brother and sister, if you would just allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and put your hand on someone's shoulder and be that human touch for them right now. Oh, yes, let's just reach unto God. We're all part of this community where Jesus is the center. And it doesn't matter if I've been in church my whole life or this is my first day. We all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Right now, just get real with God. Just get real with God.
Oh, yes, that's right. Let's just reach out to him. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. We are Oh, that's right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, that's right. Just keep reaching. Just, just find someone. That's right. Hallelujah. There's some people that have let go of some things here today. There's some people who have found community, not only with, with Jesus, but they feel a part of the community. They've let those fears go. They've let that loneliness go. They've let that abandonment go. They've let that offense go. Oh, that's right. Just begin to, just begin to let Jesus use you right now.
encourage you to keep praying. Those of you that are praying, those of you that need to go, you're dismissed in the name of the Lord. See many of you at Spanish service tonight. See, uh, want to see everybody Wednesday night. Brother McFarland's going to tell us how we can better execute this community in our local church. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Please be respectful of those that are praying. If you want to visit, take it out in the foyer or outside. God bless you.